Our scripture this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, almost the closing words of Luke's Gospel. Words from the 24th chapter. Its setting in context is the 24th chapter of Luke is the resurrection chapter. The first 12 verses uh, have the, the story of the empty tomb and the announcement that Jesus Christ is not here, he is risen. Then there is the episode of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus encountering the risen Lord. And then we come to our text where there is a regathering on Easter evening in Jerusalem, perhaps in the upper room, but somewhere in a room together, Jesus appears to his disciples. This is Luke 24, beginning with the 36th verse. Listen now to God's word. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. May God bless the reading and the hearing of this portion of his holy word. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It takes a while for really good news to sink in. Richard Wall is 47 years old, and he lives in Vernon Township in New Jersey. He bought his lottery ticket on Maundy Thursday at the local gas station. The next day on Good Friday at 11 o'clock p.m., Richard won $533 million. Two weeks ago, he won. I don't know if you like the math of it or not, it always fascinates me. He opted not to receive the 533 over 30 years, but rather to take 324 million now. 
which meant he had to pay taxes on it. And so at the end of the day, his check was for $175 million tax paid to be deposited in his life. Richard commented, I was excited. It was life-changing money. At first, he thought he had won $1 million, which was pretty exciting. And then he realized he had won $533 million. He said it didn't sink in immediately. It was truly amazing. He went upstairs and told his wife, we are going on a vacation. Then together they reviewed the numbers on his ticket 15 more times, just to be sure, he put the winning ticket in his fireproof safe, and they did not leave the house all weekend. Maybe that's what you do when amazing good news comes to you. You gather together and stay inside all weekend. That's what's happening in Luke 24. They have been given amazing good news, better even than the lottery. The Jesus they thought was dead and gone is back with them. And what he stood for is what life stands for, and the eternal love of God is forever. It takes a while for really good news to sink in. In that 24th chapter, I encourage you to read it just for Eastertide meditation. There is that story of the Easter tomb when it's just beginning to sink in that Jesus Christ is risen. The women take the spices to the tomb. They listen to the two angels make the announcement of Easter. They return and tell the 11 disciples, but they are dismissed, kind of, because they are women, and it sounds like nonsense. But then Simon Peter explores that empty tomb, and he too leaves pondering what it all means. Then on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples, Cleopas and the unnamed disciple, are traveling back on Easter day to their village of Emmaus, and Jesus walks with them. He teaches them. He eats with them. Their eyes are open. Their hearts are burning, and they recognize the risen Jesus, but it's still sinking in. And then our scripture today in Jerusalem, sort of a regathering on Easter evening of all the disciples. Some have been visited by the risen Lord, and they're sharing what has happened on Easter day. The two disciples from the road realized that the eleven are already excited because the risen Lord had appeared to Simon Peter, and they were excited about that. And then the two from the road of Emmaus said, it just happened to us too, we've seen the Lord. And then Jesus appears in that room with them on Easter evening. It's really sinking in, but it takes a while. Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. But even though they have spotted Jesus, the risen Lord, they are still a frightened bunch. Here, they don't believe because they're just too happy. It's just too amazing a news to really digest. When Jesus appears, this 
in our text this morning to the disciples in Jerusalem, he's doing two things. He is demonstrating that he is real. And secondly, he is telling his disciples that they will be witnesses. This is Luke's great commission. They will make the new life real to all the nations of the world. The vision is grand and large. Our text this morning reminds us a little bit of the Doubting Thomas story in John's Gospel. The risen Jesus says, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself touch and see. And then when he realizes they're still not quite getting it, he says, Do you have anything to eat? I'm glad Jesus said that. I don't know why I'm so glad Jesus said that. But Jesus said, Do you have anything to eat? And they said, Yes, we have broiled fish. And so Jesus ate to demonstrate he wasn't a phantom, he wasn't a vision, he wasn't a ghost. He was the real Jesus who was crucified. That's who was standing in front of them. And he said, this real Jesus that is in your presence is the ones that the scriptures have, talk, have spoken about. He says, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, beginning in that very room. It takes a while for really life-changing news, the news of Easter, to sink in. And part of it is coming to terms with this real Jesus. Jesus is not whoever we want Jesus to be. That's to the disease of the church in our time, I think. Jesus is not just whoever we want or need Jesus to be. He's not the one who agrees with us on everything. He's not just our guy. Jesus is specific. Jesus is concrete. Jesus is the revelation of God. He's the one who lived and suffered so that the mercy of God could be demonstrated and evidence for all the world. I have a copy of a, of a narrative that's very, very old. In fact, is most of you in this room may have it too, but I hang on to one copy of it because every now and then I need to read it because the world pulls me away from this real Jesus. It convinces me that being successful might be more exciting than being faithful. And so I keep a copy of this old, old story called One Solitary Life, and from time to time I read it to remember the real Jesus. It goes like this in part. Here is a young man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a small-town carpenter shop until he was 30, and then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he owned, 
his coat. I read these words from time to time to remember that the real Jesus stands in judgment of nearly everything we chase in pursuit of worldly success. The real Jesus is not here to make us successful and prosperous and popular. The real Jesus is here to offer us a new and different life we would never have imagined on our own. I've met a lot of folks in my time of active ministry, and one of my favorites, because he is such a character, is Will Williman, the Methodist pastor and bishop. You never know which Will Williman you're going to meet when you meet him, but they're all interesting people. Will Williman remembers visiting the great mosaic in the church at Montreal, Sicily. It's one of the wonders of the medieval world. It is just really plain on the outside. You can walk right down the street and not even know you're walking by a church. But if you go inside, you see some of the most brilliant, splendid, colorful mosaics in all the world. He talks about turning off that street and going into that church and seeing this dazzling array of Bible stories depicted in jewel-like depictions on the wall and presiding over all of these mosaic scripture stories is the Christ, the grand Christ, the creator of all. Will Williman writes, The Christ I saw up on that wall was Christ of the wide embrace. Hands outstretched, reaching out from his majesty as if to encircle the whole church, the whole world. Will Williman saw a grand vision of Christ. He didn't see a small tribal deity. He didn't see a household God to protect those we love. But he saw a God who was stubbornly determined to love all humanity. As Will Williman was leaving the church that day in Sicily, a street vendor came up to him and held out a trinket with Christ's picture printed on it. And he said, Do you want to take a little Jesus with you, mister? And Will Williman stopped dead in his track. And he just thought to himself, No, I don't want to take a little Jesus with me. There's enough of that going around already. A pocket-sized Jesus that you can put wherever you want him to help things go your way. Just a little Jesus that can make all your hopes come true and bring you security and prosperity to you and those you love. Just a little Jesus, just a little good luck charm who does not place any demands on us but helps us demand things from God. What will it be this Eastertide for you and me? A grand vision of Christ embracing the whole world with his love? and offering us the same transforming love 
or just a little Jesus on a trinket to take with us. Michael Linville is another minister that I admire, and he says words in our Sunday school lesson today that help us grasp the real Christ. Michael Linville writes, Jesus Christ passed through life as it really is. Rough edges, disappointments, and terrors included. His life cut a trail for us and laid out a path. His way leads us through our lives as they really are. Complicated mixtures of joy and disappointment, strange stews of nobility and pettiness. He continues, the way of Jesus is not a way out of this world. In the end, the way leads us into a life that may be deeply fulfilling and pleasing, but more to the point, the way of Jesus leads us into a life that is very pleasing to our God. The risen Jesus is the real thing. He is looking for those who will make him real in their lives. As Clarence Jordan translates in the Cotton Patch, beginning in Atlanta, you all are the ones who will make these things real. The church will always be weak, and ineffectual, nothing more than a club. If people of faith don't understand and know the real Jesus, and if they don't make Jesus' way of life real in their communities. When Mahatma Gandhi, in one of the classic conversations of all of history, when Mahatma, Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi was questioned by the missionary E. Stanley Jones about why Gandhi had rejected the Christ and he didn't become a follower of Christ. Gandhi begged to differ. He responded, oh, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike Christ. If Christians, he continued, would really live According to the teachings of Christ, as found in the scriptures, all of India would be Christian today. Another international theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish one, is fond of saying that Jesus Christ never asked for admirers. Rather, the risen Lord asked for followers, for witnesses to make him real. Kierkegaard writes, an admirer of Jesus always plays it safe, rarely gives up anything, renounces nothing, and will not reconstruct his life, will not let his life express what is admired. But not so, he writes, for the follower. The follower of Jesus aspires with every strength and will to be that which he admires. In other words, what God is hoping for during this Easter tide are real witnesses to the real Jesus. We began this sermon with Richard Wall winning $533 million in the Mega Millions lottery in New Jersey and staying home all weekend 
to let that good news sink in. He shared in his press conference this past Friday that because of that huddling in his house with his ticket, he missed going out on Saturday to his church's Easter egg hunt, and he missed and he regrets missing Easter worship because he's a follower of the way. But Richard said that he and his wife really don't need the money they've won, and they really do not covet the things it can buy. He became, in that press conference, a real witness to the real Jesus. He said, for us, we believe God has a plan. It is not only life-changing money for me. We want it to be life-changing money for others, for family and friends, and for all those in need. It takes a while for the good news of Easter to sink in. But that's okay. It takes a while for us to understand who this Jesus really is and what he expects of us in this new life. It takes a while for this Jesus and his love to become real in our lives and in our church and in our world. It takes a while for the really good news of a risen Jesus to sink in, to sink in and change our lives. Let us pray. Eternal God, we confess that too often we are weary people, but not weary from loving others in your name, not weary enough for forgiving our enemies, not weary for giving our monies away. We're weary for chasing the things that this world says we must have to be a success. Eternal Father, help the good news of a risen Lord and a completely different way of life to sink in to our hearts and make us yours and to make us real. In Christ's name, amen.